five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we're going to be talking about personalization using creepy data today and some other challenges that face the ad industry. But first, let's get over to the new Coke commercial, which says everybody can be Santas, and it's a it's it's an it's a minute and a half long thing of Santa's everywhere. I'm going to skip that part, and this is the but this is the conclusion of that part, and then then there's a big transition and it gets better here it goes there they go and now when the subway train goes by you don't see hundreds of santas anymore you see people being nice to each other oops we're playing it back in 2.0 and that's nice kid coming over for the the holidays, and there's the iconic Coke truck in the background. Okay, so you can be Santa by acts of kindness. I really like that. You know, when I watched it at normal speed, I got a little more choked up, I have to admit. But we got a lot to cover today, as I said. And uh, tomorrow we'll play the 1995 truck commercial that kicked it all off, just for fun. Let you show. Let, we'll show you that one. So now let's get over to the... Uh, backstory a little bit. I had this all marked up. We'll talk about that tomorrow because it talks about both ads and I think it's excellent. Um, but Coca-Cola says they want to actually tell a story in the Christmas ads and I really like that story. Um, so let's go on to the next one. <laughs> Ad age. Over half of consumers are not interested in hearing. <laughs> this is amazing. Over half of consumers are not interested in hearing companies' political and social stances. You know, think about that. So just making a stance can cost you half your customers on both sides of an issue, which is the interesting part, I think. Super interesting, right? Okay. Brands might be better off supporting their employees rather than making public statements, morning consult fines. I got to find that. I got to find that study because it's quoted by the next article that I'm going to talk about. Um, that It says 53% of people would rather they just didn't make a stand. Um, but the rest have a desire for companies to speak out. And general statements about diversity in the workplace have widespread support, but there is less support for backing, as an example, LGBTQ rights, especially among older Americans. Okay. <laughs> interesting okay and that goes along with an article by ben berkeley at the the hustle does every societal conflict require a corporate statement and uh you know this looks contrived but there's a bud light statement with a stamp out bud light i wonder if somebody actually made that or is that you know just a photoshop deal when news breaks the typical brain goes to many places what happened Who's impacted? How does this change my life or change my world? Absence from that stewing mind, hmm, what does Taco Bell think about this? Yeah, you're not really thinking about that, right? You're just not thinking about what does Taco Bell think? <laughs> Should I go? You know, and yet too many times they want to run an ad that is it just pushing it in your face, whichever side it is, right? Um as workplace tension roils over corporate responses, for example, the Israeli-Hamas war, the new question being asked is exactly how necessary are these statements? 
And this is an interesting article. It, it, it's thoughtful from Ben. Thank you, Ben. Um, but no two cultural moments can be approached with exactly the same way. The George Floyd protests versus the Roe v. Wade are entirely different. Penning a neutral, universally satisfying statement is virtually impossible. Absolutely right. Right? Because people have different opinions. And if you want to chime in, you're more likely going to offend somebody and most likely some vocal people who may not be offended themselves but may be uh, advocating for others who might be offended, which is a really odd position. Uh, the price for stepping in can be high. 22% of Americans say they've boycotted a brand in the past year over corporate stances. I mean, I grew up boycotting brands. My dad boycotted Coke, I think, the rest of his life after they maneuvered to move the Milwaukee Braves to Atlanta. It can be funny reasons for boycotting, but Coke was not welcome in our house when the Braves got maneuvered to Atlanta by Coca-Cola. That's what he said anyway. I don't know. I don't even know the circumstances. I just know that Milwaukee was one of the top baseball towns in America in spite of it being the very smallest market. Um, but then they were gone. But now they're back. But they haven't won a World Series since they came. Uh, is skipping a statement an option? Perhaps, but the middle has also been unkind to brands. And then he mentions Harvard University. I'm not sure if Harvard University is neutral in this. Um, you know, the, the truth was there was some investigative journalism that said that they weren't neutral. <laughs> and they have alumni on one side and they have uh, their, their current social stand on another. And that could cause conflict. Starbucks was drawn into a firestorm when an employee union tweeted support of the Palestinians last month. I didn't know that. You know, I don't keep up on the Starbucks employee unions. I don't like their coffee is the problem I have. So what are you going to do if you're in charge of a company? Well, here is the great words. Understand your employee and consumer bases, right? If if Bud Light hadn't been, you know, waving the flag and, and uh, you know, the the military and all the other sort of, right-leaning symbols, that's a good word, in their advertising, uh, I don't think it would have caused such a big stir. I mean, somebody rightly pointed out, almost all the other brewery companies have some kind of pride initiative. And why did it nail Bud Light? Probably because they had always, I don't know, pretended that they were the market of the regular guy. And that didn't sit as well with the regular guy as they expected. You know, plus it was kind of undercover anyway. It wasn't really like a major initiative. That's the really odd part. But I do think it was inconsistent with a substantial number of their customers, which is the same argument I made for JCPenney when they decided that um, they would target as their as their primary, uh, you know, target's a bad word, <laughs> as their primary customer persona, um, gay families, which are, I, I think, a pretty small subset of even LGBTQ. So anyway, start by acknowledging that you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But keep in mind, who are your customers? Who are the people that might get upset? 
And if 80% of your customers are not that group, you might want to think twice about it. Now, here's an interesting consequence of all of the social uh, engineering we're trying to do on diversity and all the rest. Um, and that is, and this is where advertisers are trying to tiptoe around it, black-owned publishers say they suffer from discriminatory keywords, block lists, and miscategorized content. This was a fascinating article because basically in this effort to try to protect consumers and try to not take the wrong stance on something, um, not show war dead alongside your fashion commercial, you know, simple stuff like that, that these, these um, AI-driven, mainly, content categorizers are punishing black-owned media because they flag content for not being brand safe. And even though they've been, they've come out and made these statements for years, the issue has not improved. Okay, they say from 13, 15 to 5 to 37 percent of their traffic can get blocked, you know, and it's mainly ads getting blocked that 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 because of black vernacular language, um, the flagging. I don't know what you call it, Marstack, marketing stack, I guess. Uh, keeps the ads from being placed on their sites. And there was there were some that were just, I mean, almost even comical. One was, you know, there were, there's, a, there's a black publication called Revolt. And uh, there, was an, there was a story on black, a black photo shoot that was the bomb, which is a, an a, a positive adjective in their vernacular. So... It was flagged because it said black shoot bomb or something like that. I kind of pushed two examples together. but uh, So the root is a systemic issue with the media and the advertising industry, black, own, black publication owners say. And it's an issue with the language that, that somehow the, the ad sanitizers don't understand that Black culture and vernacular such as dope, bomb, killer, and slay are could be positive in that culture. Um, and so they block those and they flag those articles, even though they're about a fashion shoot, and warn advertisers not to place their ads there. Uh, fascinating. So the con- there are consequences to our attempt to engineer the marketplace to make it safe somebody's always impacted and sometimes it's the very people you'd want to be least impacted so on that note i think we're going to go to uh tomorrow for the the wonderful ad or the wonderful article on personalization and direct mail um from gunderson direct so enough for today it was a difficult subject you can see i stuttered a bit play it at double speed i'll I'll sound a lot better. Have a great day. Like and share. Think about these issues. You know, how do we how do we handle this? Maybe you don't. Maybe that's the easiest. Maybe just sell the candy bar. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Bye-bye. <laughs>